0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Driving to the Basket. I am Mike. I am here with Dante and our special guest, Matt Shook, formerly of Locked Pistons and now uh, with PlayMichigan.com. Matt, thanks so much for joining us again.
1: Yeah, yeah great to be back. Thanks for having me. This is uh, end of the first round as we record. So a lot going on and we'll see if we can uh,
0: steer the ship here. So before we get rolling, let's first hear a word from our sponsors.
2: You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports. And now, a payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night, and it's extremely simple to do. Just draft your lineup, feel the sweat, and make every moment mean more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users all across sports, DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's absolutely no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app now and sign up using code TBPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code TBPN to get a free entry with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details.
0: So, of course, the... Uh, the big news is the Pistons, of course, have drafted Kate Cunningham. It was a protracted process of getting to that point, which caused untold anxiety to Pistons fandom. But you know, in the end, it uh, everybody got what they wanted. So, yeah, what are your guys' thoughts? Any you know thoughts, if any, beyond excitement? I'm sure about. Well, yeah.
2: to be fair, Mike, I didn't get what I wanted because I wanted to trade uh, the number one pick for Eric Gordon and number twenty four. Mm. <laughs> and that didn't happen. So some good prospects say. at that 24. Available <laughs> I was going to say, we're just like two and a half hours after the draft has started. We're just reaching that area now. So it would have given us something to look forward to. And yeah, I'm I'm disappointed. I don't know. Yeah, sure. It
1: was a strange lead up into the draft. Like you mentioned, Mike, about everyone, a lot of anxiety. I guess that comes with getting the number one pick when you're the fan base. But everyone was so defensive about every single rumor and every single possibility of Jalen Green being picked or something like that. And I, I think as we sit here, they drafted Cade Cunningham. It was the right decision to make. But at the same time, you want Troy Weaver to be making those phone calls. You want Troy Weaver to be accepting those phone calls to be working out Jalen Green to fly across the country and take a look at him. It would have been nice to get some eyes on Evan Mobley. I know they're very familiar with him as well. But if they could have seen a trade and liked one of those guys almost as much or, or maybe even – more than Cade Cunningham for whatever reason. You got to trust in your general managers. But like I said, I agree with the pick. I think it was a great night to be a Pistons fan and a Pistons podcaster, but it was just a weird few weeks leading up to it. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: yeah for sure. I didn't, I personally didn't expect the number one pick to come with this much anxiety and uncertainty, but I don't think it has anything to do with Detroit in particular. I think that's just kind of the you know, the consequence of having such a high-profile pick associated with such a high-profile player. But, yeah, I, I completely agree, Matt. It's You definitely want to do your due diligence. And, and, and as we've stated before, Weaver and the rest of the front office and the coaches and the entire organization should be doing everything they can to turn over every, you know, stone and, and make sure they're making the right pick. But this is sort of like what Brad Holmes, the new GM of the Lions, does. And, and Weaver's kind of echoed this sentiment. We have a process. And what you need to do is trust your process and in turn sort of trust what that process yields. And I've been confident throughout, you know, this entire, ever since the lottery, that the process will yield the answer that Cade Cunningham is the best player in the draft. So I feel like Weaver came to the correct decision. I I think the vast, vast majority of Pistons fans did as well. And now we're just going to see what else he does on draft night.
0: Yeah. So. I, I completely agree, Matt with what you said. It made perfect operational sense for Troy Weaver to do what he did, even if it was pretty unprecedented for the consensus number one overall pick was very highly regarded, uh, even if it was it was completely unprecedented for the process to take so long and for, you know, the decision to be made so late. You know, it was fine. Uh, and the only real downside was that a lot of you know, I got agitated. I was like, mm-hmm. you know it was, it was this it was this process like uh, from I, I, I'm sure a lot of other fans did. It's not an actual downside and uh, as much as you know as much as I would I would like to think that uh, it would be wonderful if Troy Weaver would consider my feelings and tell me everything that he's going to do. <laughs> well, I say. really don't, I really don't think that's reasonable. So <laughs> So yeah, it it, it made sense. Uh, it was just odd to have so little certainty going forward. And it made the the five weeks since the lottery seem very long. I never thought there would be so much, yeah, so much stress associated with getting the number one overall pick. So, uh, but you know, he's here, and uh, you know, you, you hope, you know, you cross your fingers and hope that this is uh, this is a new era of basketball in Detroit. I've heard people trying to, you know, I know there's this kind of movement to just dis- determine, you know, you had the bad boys and the going to work Pistons, you know, what do you call these Pistons? The back to work Pistons, the dumb with mediocrity Pistons. I like the done with mediocrity Pistons. It really rolls off the tongue. No, Absolutely. Like that. That's it's a got good a nice word. ring to it, huh?
2: It, it, it yeah. does. And <laughs> you know what? Speaking of Cade uh, Cunningham, while we're on the topic, we might be for a while. How about that post-draft interview with the Buffs? That was that, perfect. That was so perfect. cool, man. It was perfect. It was perfect.
1: He really knows what he's doing. He's, uh, you know, He wanted to be the first pick. Detroit happened to be the team. He said all the right things in the weeks leading up to it and the time leading up to it as well. Detroit News Story quotes him as saying, I'm going to embody the swag that people from Detroit walk with. The people from Michigan, they have an underdog – go get what you want, feel to them. And I like that. I'll tell you as someone who moved around the country though, Detroit is not the only place that thinks they are a bunch of hardworking people. So let's just throw that out there. But uh, it's great to, it's, it's great to hear that stuff. We do love that stuff as fans and it's important for him to kind of, cause he's the face of the organization now. There's no doubt about that. So uh, he becomes that guy and uh, he, there, there's a lot of responsibility that comes
0: with that and saying and uh, doing the right things is all part of that too. Yeah, I I completely agree. It was nice to see him really show a lot of excitement at the prospect of going number one. I mean, you got to think it's probably pretty likely that if some other team had had the first overall pick, he would have been doing the same, but it's maybe not just Mm -hmm. out of a desire to go number one, but also just about a desire to really embrace the the city in which he's going to play. Jalen Green, of course, came out and said, you know, I want to live in Detroit. It's like, well, Jalen, you want to go number one? And you're probably going to live in Farmington Hills if you do. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a special moment, and uh, you know, it, it felt to me a little bit surreal to see to watch the Pistons pick uh, you know pick number one. And I don't really, I've never really cared about media attention about the media marginalizing Detroit, but it was uh, it was it was kind of cool to see so much attention on it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, but of course. As you mentioned that, we got to put our chip on our shoulder and say, did they have to have all this Russell Westbrook rumors going on? And then the trade kind of finalized while it was Detroit's night. So, yeah, of course, we're a little upset about that. But no, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> it's a great night for the Pistons organization. Um, obviously, Cade maybe take a little bit of a backseat to the Mason Plumlee trade, which was probably the biggest news of the night. <laughs> I'm just oh, again. yeah. That but uh, right. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just Pistons fans. I, you know, I live right down the street from little Caesar actually didn't end up going to the draft party tonight, but uh, it looked like a full house from some of the, the footage and, and video that I saw. And uh, of course, everyone's excited and fired up as they should be. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know that this was a great draft for the top three and uh, what I would have thought was the top four. We'll get into a little bit of that later, but, I thought that like 5 through 10 was quite a big drop-off. And, I mean, I I like a lot of the things that Franz Wagner does as a player, but for him to be the eighth pick of the draft is pretty underwhelming. So for the Pistons to, A, lose enough games where they're in position to possibly hit the lottery and, to hit the lottery, it's just uh, very fortunate for this organization and uh, a good stroke of luck and a good stroke of planning to go on top of that. So kudos to the Pistons and kudos to the ping-pong balls.
0: Yeah. I don't think, uh, I, I think you came onto the show last before the lottery or was it afterward? Uh, I'm not after. sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We were
1: talking Kate, I believe. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I don't, I don't know if I ever asked you what the experience of watching the draft lottery was for you.
1: Yeah. So I, uh, was coming home from, uh, the workout and I was walking, I lived right up, up upstairs of a bar. So I watched it. I, I ducked in cause I knew that they were, uh, in the top four there. So ducked into the bar, watched it with some other Pistons fans that I just ran into because they were all fired up too. And it was that first feeling of excitement that a Detroit sports fan hasn't had in so long. Cause these pro teams have just been garbage for a while now, a long <laughs> while. So yeah, I mean, it just kind of felt like the tide was turning uh, at that point. You were you know, getting the Spencer Torkelson every night's getting some double a home runs, or maybe he was in West Michigan still back then. Uh, good fortunes here. You know, of course, um, Turnbull with the the no hitter earlier this year, and uh, the Wings with with some draft picks that uh, you yeah, you believe in Steve, I guess. So it's it's finally feeling like you're a year, two, three years away from maybe all three of these teams, and then of course the Lions or the Lions, but three of these teams to maybe be moving in the right direction
0: and to be playing relevant sports games in the spring, which is what we're used to. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, sure. always. Yeah, throughout throughout my in, really entire childhood, the Red Wings were a fixture as a contender. Mm-hmm. And you know, even even to a degree into the two thousand and tens, well, it'll two thousand thirteen at least. Uh, you know, there was that was that great series against Anaheim, and then the Pistons had the Blackhawks wherever they wanted them. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, that we all know how that ended. And uh mm-hmm. it's something for which I'll never forget but forget Brendan Smith. But um, you know, he's just he's just the object of my uh <laughs> of my hostility with respect to that until, series. Maybe until Andre came wrong, came around. Oh well, Yeah, well, this this is just – I mean, I was – I I used to – hockey used to be my sport, and I was a huge fan of the Red Wings for about uh, 10 years until I was alienated by what I perceived as Ken Holland's horrible mismanagement of the team after the lockout, just Mm -hmm. taking the safe path over and over and over and over again, you know, in free agency we're going to – Got to keep that
1: streak going, Yeah, Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, we're just just going to sign a washed-up veteran and, and just run it back and hope we make the playoffs and it um yeah so you know I, I felt very very alienated by that and so i moved on you know and so i started watching the pistons more during the van gundy era <laughs> you know much better much much better managed team huh <laughs> uh, and you were hooked you were hooked absolutely uh, and you know holland of course has gone on to be exactly the same in edmonton i mean a guy who you know he, was, he did a great job when he had uh, you know, he could spend all the money in the world, but no salary cap and had uh, a European scouting infrastructure that was vastly better than the rest of the league. But after that, it kind of went really downhill. Yeah. So ba- back to basketball, it's it's definitely the draft was interesting. And uh, I feel a little bit bad for the people who bet on anything after the top three, you know, except for, you know, what, what you mentioned, we were talking before the Australians who probably made a great deal of money by betting on Josh giddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'll say this about my my bet that was was stung quite a bit because I I made a couple of of odd bets at the top just in case this happened or this happened. But then I said, okay, let me put some money down on some chalk one, two, three, four in order just in case, uh, you know, you lose out on some of these weird ones. So, okay, we'll go Cade one, green two, Mobley three, Suggs four, because there's no way that that won't be the number four pick, right? I mean, there's we know that Suggs is the fourth pick. That's that's kind of the one we all know. So the first three happen, as as you would expect, and then number four is I'm already counting my money at that point. And then, of course, uh, Toronto kind of makes the, the surprise pick of the night at number four.
2: Yeah, I don't get it, I, and we were discussing this prior to recording, but I, I just personally felt, and I'm sure you guys feel similarly, Jalen Suggs is just so far and away I I feel a more skilled player than Scotty Barnes is and I think there was such a severe drop-off after that top four that I I can't really wrap my head around why the Raptors would do that but it's it's nice to be the team in the driver's seat of the draft pick number one and kind of kick your feet back and relax and watch the rest of the chaos kind of unfold and uh, the draft continues to be wild I don't know if you guys are refreshing Twitter but uh, I know lots of Pistons fans probably won't like to see this but bones highland just came off the board at 26 to denver so hmm. there's one of those second round options crossed off but i mean i i guess it remains to be seen what the pistons are going to do with the rest of the evening I, I remain hesitant to say they'll be able to jump back into the first but it's like i said seeing stuff like that scotty barnes thing is just like makes you feel so fortunate that we were able to kind of just grab that slam dunk pick and be done with it
0: yeah it's it's definitely been interesting uh, it's just uh, things have gone so unexpectedly and Suggs for me, absolutely a surprise. And, you know, I've, I've learned not to sell short Masai Jiri, but of course anybody who makes mistakes. So yeah, it's just Josh Giddy at number six was really the, the shocker for me. Franz Wagner at, at number eight. Also, you know, definitely not an upside pick. Uh, I, I don't have, I've never had much faith in Orlando's front office, even the current front office, but I think the, Aside from the Pistons, I'd say the winners in the lottery were definitely the Warriors. Uh, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. Kuminga was kind of an odd pick just because he's so raw, and I don't think he can really contribute much offensively next year. I, I'm, not, I'm not huge on Kuminga just because I think his, his basketball IQ is pretty questionable, and mm-hmm. his, uh, you know, his, his, you know, who knows where he'll go offensively, and mm-hmm. also there's some questions about you know, motor on defense particularly. But yeah. that's a good upside pick, and Moses Moody at 14 was just fantastic for them.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think that Orlando did well with their two picks, and I think that Golden State did well with their two picks. Wagner is going to be a guy who can help, and I think Jalen Suggs is hitting it out of the park with number five there. And Kaminga, yeah, there's a, it could be a bust, like it could be a complete zero for you, but he's got that body, he's got that potential there that uh, down the road could be something, or maybe could be a trade asset in the first year or so. But as I reflect on some of this, I'm just again, I'm just so. You know, obviously, there's a a big drop off between probably three to four, if I consider Suggs number four on my board, then another drop off after that. But I'm talking like, you know, Barnes, the type, the Barnes types at number five on my board and not really all that much difference going down all the way to like the, you know, Duarte, Moody, Kispert, 13, 14, 15 is, you know, you wouldn't feel that much worse about a Moses Moody than you would about Scotty Barnes. And that's the difference between four. And Thirteen. So again, just to echo how important it was for the Pistons to move up in that lottery, get one of those top three spots, and then uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at names coming off here as we record uh, Josh Christopher late in the first round, Garuba out of the uh, Isaiah Jackson from from Oakland County, getting out of Kentucky to to, uh, to ultimately, uh, I guess I don't even remember who he ended up on now, but uh, Keon Johnson is another one. Jalen Johnson was was. Uh, you know, had a rough season at Duke, obviously, but another guy with potential that was talked about as a top seven or eight pick early in his freshman season. So a lot of talent still out there and the Pistons, you know, 10 or so picks away, 12 or so picks away from, from, uh, the first of three second round picks. Now important to keep in mind that these last two second round picks in the fifties, it's basically inviting a guy to training camp and who knows what's going to happen there. Uh, motor city Cruise, I guess will be the, uh, the future of a lot of those guys you know in the 50s you're talking about almost not really a pick at that point but uh at least at 42 it'll be interesting to
0: see what uh, Troy Weaver does yeah I think we uh, can why don't we why don't we segue onto the Plumlee trade unless on to you sure yeah um, you, you know
2: what I was gonna say was a segue into the Plumlee trade so it's pretty timely that you would say that and, and it's because you know all this talk about these late these picks late in the 50s and it's like well could have had 37 but it, it seems weaver was highly motivated to get off of plumley's money and to get off of his money tonight so yeah i guess i'm curious what you guys think i, I know mike mike and i've been talking um well, quite I've, a bit about it during I've, the night
0: but i have a theory i haven't shared with you which is that, i'd like you to share it with me yeah which is mason plumley you know was on it was unwilling to hand the keys to the offense off to kate cunningham so oh. you know uh <laughs> who can, blame so, to that? Who can blame you know yeah, he, he's playing for his next contract already. And mm-hmm. he's just not willing to share the spotlight like that. So oh,
2: when you can reverse dunk it like Plumlee can, you kidding mm-hmm.
0: me? Reverse everything. Yeah. Rever-
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I, I was curious. I, at first, when I saw it, I was like, oh, man, did we move up? And then as I read the rest of the tweet, I was like, oh, 20 spots back. OK, and then my initial sort of thinking was, OK, we're going to use this cap space to acquire a bad contract tonight. I don't know some team that wants to sign an immediate impact player in free agency this coming year and then jump back into the first and grab an impact player. But I, you know, the, the picture flying off the board here and I'm not entirely convinced we'll pick in the first round again at all. So I, I don't know what you guys think that trade was all about, but I'm, I'm sort of confused and if things stay the way they are and we don't move back up, I, I, I maybe dare to say I'm disappointed in the trade, because I think Plumley is a pretty solid backup center. And if you wanted to hand the keys to the five position to Stewart, that's more than okay. I, I much prefer watching Stewart than I do Plumley, But I was cool with Plumley on, on this team. And if he's going to be moved, I'd like it for it to be a reason, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I to- I totally agree. I, I don't see that there's much reason to move him unless there is something coming up that we don't know about. But they, then again, it's $8 million per season. It's not going to be that much money where you can go get some – Know, big time free agent or something like that so it's and then you got to find a backup center and there's going to be for sure some money there so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me right now but again you got to look at the off season as a whole i guess
0: mm-hmm. yeah uh, and yeah, damn free agency is coming up pretty soon uh i would imagine that the pistons will stick with the plan of just going with development so you probably just sign a you know a decent backup center and go from there like from for a minute you know on a minimum deal it was just I completely agree with bo- what both of you have said about, you know, you think that something is coming soon. Yeah. Uh, it's it's possible that Weaver just, I don't think this is likely, but that Weaver's like, okay, well, this is an opportunity to dump Plumley, and all it's going to cost is us moving back 20 spots in the second round. But I, I don't think it's likely that, you know, here's a golden opportunity.
2: Yeah, I don't I, think so either. I don't
0: think that's, yeah, I don't think that's that. And so. No, it's odd. Yeah. And I'll tell you it's not to
2: trade with Brooklyn because Brooklyn just picked Cam Thomas at 27. So,
0: Yeah, I think
1: it's interesting. And maybe it has something to do with roster spots too, right? Like maybe uh, a guy you pick at 37 is a guy that you're probably going to want to bring in and and give an NBA contract to as opposed to someone in the 50s where you feel like you might stash him over in Europe or maybe it's a a strictly G League type of player. So maybe this is good news for like a guy like Saban Lee who – his roster spot was was under question. His contract situation is under question next year. So, not not that obviously the center position has anything to do with Saban Lee, but when you're looking at pure roster spots, maybe that has something to do with it there. So, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of different unanswered questions there. But I, I think that it was an opportunity to get rid of Mason Plumley. I mean, famously on Locked On Pistons, I was uh, ripped that move from the very beginning. Back when it was cool to make fun of Troy Weaver's moves, back yeah. a little bit. Um, yeah, remember you know, that it was, it was still you know it was three years for twenty five million. It was the first move announced by any reporters uh, right when free agency started, so it was like a huge question mark. Of course, we can joke now about how many centers the Pistons had for a couple days there, and now we're sitting here with Isaiah Stewart as pretty much the only guy uh, on this team. Although I guess um, Okafor still no guaranteed for next year too, which is another head scratcher of a yeah. move, of, uh, last off season too. But again, uh, the, the, the players, the drafting and the selection of Jeremy Grant and free agency, uh, obviously the good far outweighs the bad from Troy Weaver last off season, but Mason Plumlee never really made a lot of sense to me. Um, and the fact that you're able to get off of him without giving up anything very meaningful, of course, you'd rather have 37, um, and 57 is not going to get you anything. This is again, a total lottery ticket. That's going to be a bust, but, uh, all things considered, nice to get off of $16 million for
0: the next couple of years. But exactly. it's like, like
1: Dante said, it, it's, yeah. it, it would have made a lot of sense to keep around as a backup center too. So yeah. I, don't, I don't quite know. Yeah. It was also, yeah. it's
0: a good, it's a good culture too do for what that's worth. It's actually, sure. mm-hmm. it's actually, you know, if they're trading it, uh, because Plumlee had a trade kicker, so it's closer, to, oh, right. it's closer to $18 million, but that wouldn't have mattered if business hadn't traded him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I agree. Back when they, back when that signing was announced, my heart just, you know, dropped. I'm like, Oh goodness. Oh, we got, we got, we got another lemon and then, uh, in the front office, but yep. yeah, yep. it was, it's it's just the time. The timing is a little bit odd if this is not going to be used at the draft. So, you know, we'll, we'll know, you know, the first round here is about to, well, is about we to might, close up.
2: There's a good chance we'll know before this recording is over, but oh, yeah, certainly,
0: certainly not in the first round, but, uh, you know, I, I would say it's, it's extremely unlikely unless we'll see. I mean, we'll we'll see. And we'll see. You know, about five refreshing
2: minutes. Twitter like a madman, and I'll be the first <laughs> it, one to jump in and let you guys know. But another thing too, I, I trust me, we got on here and we ripped the Plumlee signing immediately after it happened. So you're not alone in that, Matt. But mm-hmm. I have trouble believing that Plumlee's value was still negative after the decent year. Oh, that, you know? I
0: disagree. I oh, strongly so? disagree. Yeah. See, what I didn't well, like him as a contract. I was surprised I it, it was negative. that negative. To yeah, my, yeah. That's I, a better
2: way to say it, Matt. Yeah. 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 What do you think, yeah. Mike?
0: I think that Plumlee is a very capable starting center for a team that does not want to win. Uh, his skills, so here's here's what Plumlee is. All right, so he's really a, a very mediocre offensive player. Can't space the floor. Uh, I guess he's he's a, he's a fairly good pick and roll center, and he's you know he's a, he's a, he's a decent finisher around the nets. But he's very limited in what he can do. He can pass. And that's helpful for a team that has very few creation options, and that was the Pistons this season. But any better team is going to have a lot more creation options. He's a mediocre defender. He's a switch liability. Uh, he's not a good, you know he's he's a kind of slightly below average rim protector. In the playoffs, I'm not sure he's going to be playable because any offense is just going to get the quick players uh, switched onto him, and they're going to burn him in isolation. And and you know then that's nine million dollars if you're like uh, presumably you'll start for the Hornets, but, uh, you know, $9 million for the average team for a backup center would have been a steep price. So, yeah, I don't, uh, it, it would have surprised me if he had any positive value at all, just, just based on the above, I guess he had a little bit more to the Hornets. And so, you know, and so it was easier to trade him.
1: Yeah. And not well, to rehash, but I, I just felt like the, the signing to me, it was less about the value of the contract and more. And and I didn't like the value of the contract mostly because of the years, but it was also just because that was the what they decided to do with cap space, which never really made any sense to me. But uh, it kind of makes sense. He he seems like a Charlotte center in the uh, in the Cody Zeller Frank Kaminsky uh, mold there. So <laughs> maybe, maybe the I forgot about whites, that he big does. white center from uh, from you know storied college programs. Maybe that has uh, something there for yeah. George they, and yeah.
0: Like I mean, ultimately at this point, like the cost of the Plumlee signing is. Uh, is Dwayne Deadman's dead cap, uh, and and trading down 20, 20 picks in the second round. Yeah, whatever. I, I, I thought it was
1: interesting that the pick, and not to we'll go old bit central here, because the pick that they acquired in the Bruce Brown trade was thirty seven, and that was the trade the, the pick that they had to give away to get rid of Mason Plumlee. So my two old bit trades and, and moves that I hated from Weaver last year. Was uh, was Bruce and, and Mason Plumley, and of course they end up getting married to each yeah. other in this deal. It's perfect symmetry. I feel like I kind of feel like, and, and I haven't been doing the podcast since I believe at the end of March, but it kind of felt like my reign officially ended tonight when Mason Plumley and Bruce Brown's chapters as a Pistons both closed, both together. It felt <laughs> it, I almost cried a little bit, to be honest. A little yeah. bit of symmetry there for me.
2: Sort of like when Captain America fought himself in Endgame. Sort pretty of, much, sort of, yeah. pretty similar, <laughs> and it's the passing of the torch, and that's it. But no, I mean, I, I, honestly, it's not Matt, like
1: that, it's exactly that. It's
2: exactly that. I could do this all mm-hmm. day. It's Bruce and Plumley <laughs> just looking at each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, uh, no, for sure. But I think, honestly, Matt, and I do believe this, I, I think Weaver made these moves only to piss you off
1: that's what i think <laughs> yeah what could i do one more time just needle
0: yeah. this guy one, one more
2: time, time. <laughs> it's not enough that you yeah. dedicated three years plus of your life to giving us good content he just yeah. needs to just you know color your book one last time so. i
0: mean you've got to you've got to establish dominance it's a very important step of being a general manager so yeah uh, <laughs> always empty
1: the clip always empty. The yeah
0: clip. absolutely In, into somebody if necessary yes uh, i'll take it yeah take um it. so yeah. How are you feeling? I mean, uh, this, is, this is a long time down the road and a lot of things have happened. How are you feeling now about the Bruce, uh, you know, about Bruce Brown being traded long afterward in retrospect?
1: Oh, I, I just have a soft spot in my heart for Bruce Brown. I know the criticisms that a lot of folks have about his his offensive game and the jumpers probably never going to come. And I, and I get the, I get all that. But it was just a guy who made watching this team and, and a little bit more enjoyable during his time with the Pistons and a guy that that gave a crap when a lot of the players on the team weren't giving a crap night in and night out. So to me it was, it was a little bit more of like a, you know, a heartstrings kind of thing, but yeah, I, I do believe that he had value as a player. And I think that when you're, and of course, being on Brooklyn is a bit of a special situation because you have no responsibility on shot creation and you can be this, this this five man weirdly on the Brooklyn Nets, but he's a guy who showed he's got value in the NBA on a really reasonable contract. I'm seeing Bobby Marks, uh, you know, he's restricted, so they gave him the qualifying offer. The Nets, but Bobby Marks is talking about teams possibly giving him ten million dollars a year this uh, this off season. So if some team thinks he's worth ten million dollars, I think on a three million dollar plus bird rights deal last off season. I think that that should have been worth more than not only giving him away for 37, but paying his salary because of the uh, Musa kid that comes over and you eat that cap space as well. So it was an F minus in my book. Well, I don't uh, think
0: Musa actually was non-guaranteed. So he was he was just waived prior to the season.
1: No, I I think that they ate that contract. I, I disagree. I thought that was a first-round pick. I'm not there. sure. Do yeah, I have to all, No, no,
0: Musa was a second-round pick.
1: No, he was a first
0: as far round. As I know. he was okay. I'll, I think he I'll, was a
1: first round pick.
0: Oh yeah, okay, you might be right. I'll I'll have to look it up. It's it's yeah, yeah I mean, we'll double
2: check and and just by the way, Jaden Springer off the board uh, to the 76ers at twenty eight.
0: You want to know so. something funny about Bruce Brown? Uh, so if the let's say the and this comes from Bobby Marks. Uh, so let's say they pay him ten million dollars a year, just ten million dollars in this coming year, it will cost them close to fifty million dollars because they'll be paying thirty six oh, wow. million dollars in luxury tax. Jeez. Is, is is Bruce Brown worth that to you, you know? <laughs> I mean, to me? So, yes. No, no, not to you. I'm speaking, I'm just speaking <laughs> hypothetically. And you know, I'm just, this yeah. is like a rhetorical question for like the basketball, you know, for the Nets, for example. But uh, yeah, it was, Bruce Bruce was fun in the sense that he was just clearly like a super hardworking guy who, if he, if he genuinely thought that it would be best for the team, would take zero shots a game. And there aren't many players who are that selfless. For sure, but uh, like if there would, it would just be, you know, he he would have no role on this team, you know, going forward. The way the the way that Weaver assembled the the roster, it was also reported that his training camp, the mini training camp they had in the summer, he just he didn't do a very, he didn't look good, and really, it was on on the average NBA team. I would I would wager on twenty nine teams. You know, if he can't shoot, he's a liability, his spacing liability. He can't really do anything as far as creating offense either. And it's just only on the nets that, that he could work in this way. And also under an innovative coach, I mean, Steve Nash, I don't know how many other guys with the thoughts to use Bruce Brown that way.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't quite buy the workout thing. I mean, we've all had bad weeks and I mean, it didn't translate to his season. He obviously made strides in year three. So I, I don't quite know what one bad week does for, you know, and now if he comes in and, and, you know, throws his uh his jersey at, at, at Weaver as he walks off the court or something sure but like uh you know showing up a little bit out of shape or whatever it was I don't quite I don't quite know what that has to do with uh with long-term decisions and, and making bad trades and not getting value for anything but uh yeah to me it just it, it didn't make sense then and and now as we see what happened with pick 37 which was a, a fortunate you know result the Toronto had such a bad season that you pick 37 instead of what it, you know you would have thought maybe something like 47 but uh yeah just just didn't do anything for me at the time and does less for me now after watching the blue
0: oh fair enough i just don't think that there would have been much space for him and even no i
1: i'm not yeah. even talking about the roster i'm talking more about value i guess oh, okay my point. fair yeah. enough
0: fair, you know fair enough i was i was a little surprised at the time of the trade because it's like you know if bruce can shoot then cool you know you've got you got a very good role player but it seems like such a long time ago. Yeah. You know. It does. It, it's only yeah. it's only been about a year since I believe he was traded shortly after Weaver became general manager, which was in June. So maybe it was either in June or July of last year. It just seems like far longer ago than that, probably because Sekou Dumboya is now the longest tenured member of the team.
2: Which is so wild. At 20 like, years old. Just so <laughs> insane. At 20 yeah. years old, the longest <laughs> yeah. tenured member of the team. Like It it's just really speaks to the job that Weaver has done. You know? and, and we can talk about the, the, the Plumlee contract and the Bruce Brown trade, but at the end of the day, what a reshaping of the roster. And I meant to ask both of you sort of to pivot away from Bruce and back towards the trade itself. What do you guys think this means for Isaiah Stewart?
0: Well, I'd say he's, he's starting now. Like we know it's been reported that the Pistons were high on, on Isaiah Stewart. And, you know, he, he certainly, he proved a lot last year. And he's also an incredibly hard worker. I'm sure I'm bad. I'm confident he'll continue to improve over the summer. It's right now. I'm, uh, well, I was going to say, I was thinking about the differences that just the paradigm differences between he and Drummond, but I'm, I promised I would never rant about Drummond on the show ever again. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, I think how I foresee Stewart going forward as a guy, you, you, you know, you can start him at center provided on a good, on a very good team. I think if you have the, uh, the strength of the other positions around him, you know, he's kind of a guy moving forward. You can pay like $12 million a year to, to be your starting center and do a pretty good job. And he'll, he, he'll gladly do whatever is, you know, whatever is required of him. So, he uh, he saw some starting minutes this last year. He put up good. You know he, he did very well. Of course, you know they were he started almost exclusively against terrible teams. But yeah, so I'd say he's the he's the presumptive starter going into next season. I, I can't see anything else being the case.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because we don't know a lot about the the free agency period, or maybe some trades that open up uh, with a little bit of the the wiggle room with the Plumlee trade there too. So you would think that the center room uh, like if you he was, he'd borrow a football term wouldn't be just Isaiah Stewart and Julio Okafor going in next season and you'd probably think that you, since you got the young center in Stewart that it might be more of a veteran type of player, a Mason Plumley type, I guess, to put it uh, to put it uh, in one term. So maybe Mason Plumley. Maybe Mason Plumley, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean there's they'll or there maybe other some other Plumley. I don't know but uh, you got to believe there's someone else coming in and and I would hope it's someone who, and again, I, I like Isaiah Stewart just as much as anyone. I think Mike hits it on the head as far as uh, a guy that can be, can be a starting center in this league um, as long as you're not relying on him for, for too much. Uh, And just obviously a guy that embodies the culture and the fans love him for good reason and all that good stuff too. So, but yeah, you'd think that someone else comes in as center now, whether, Stewart is the starter and the other backup center is getting some real minutes or vice versa. I've never really gotten too worked up about that stuff. There's no world where Isaiah Stewart's not getting uh, a chance to play real minutes this year. I think the Pistons have proven that. Dwayne Casey has is, is, is put those guys out there, especially at the, the end of a lost season. I think they're going to go in an next season as they should, trying to win ball games, uh, but still giving all their young players good minutes. And I think it's a great situation to be in for a team that's trying to build something and build something together. And Isaiah Stewart should be a part of that next year and beyond.
0: I'm just trying to think, you know, aside from Blake Griffin and his all NBA season, the only full season he played for the Pistons, who was the last player who was as well-loved by Isaiah Stewart, uh, but, you know, amongst the fandom, I think you got to think back a long way. Tony
2: uh, Tony Snow.
0: Oh, goodness. How could I forget Tony Snell? Charisma. The, invi- <laughs> the, in- the invisible man.
2: Uh- I honestly oh, God. I can't Snow. think of anyone as beloved as Stuart. Like, Stuart was, like, university universally beloved almost immediately. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, there I mean, wasn't
1: any – has there been any randoms since, the obviously, the, the going to work Best Five Alive? But, like, has there been, like, random guys that – I mean – there was a little bit of Will Bynum buzz, I know, but I oh, mean, yeah, Bynumite, Binamite. yeah. Bynumite. People were fired up about him for a little while. Fortunately for me, I was like gone for a decade during a lot of the lost decades. So <laughs> that worked out pretty well for me. But mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, I can't, certainly can't recall any guys during the Van Gundy era that were that beloved. Uh, uh, like maybe no, Brandon Jennings
0: not. for about six weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They led Brandon
2: Jennings back in the day for a very well, short amount of time.
0: Yeah, for a very short time. I mean, Brandon yeah. Jennings, I mean, his. His legacy amongst Pistons fans, which, you know, good for him. Uh, or just not, I'm not Pistons fans It's in Pistons history. With those six weeks he played after Josh Smith was waived. And that was such an exciting time. You know, and he really, I really liked Brandon for that. He really grew from this immature chucker into a leader overnight. That was such a fun time. But, and man was, was uh, that Achilles tear, just a horrible moment. And it really changed the trajectory of the franchise too. You're not going to have yeah. Reggie Jackson. Yeah,
1: it was an odd odd thing because I was living in the Virgin Islands and we didn't obviously didn't I was I didn't buy League Pass back then. Why would you watch the Pistons back then? So <laughs> it was a one of, that game was like a random national television game. I don't know if it was NBA TV or what, but yeah, I was excited to watch the game. I think it was against Washington. No, it was, yeah, against it was against Milwaukee. Oh, the yeah. Bronx. Yeah, you're right. And uh, so. Yeah, just randomly watched that one game, and that's when he blows his Achilles out.
0: Unbelievable, man! That was bad. Yeah, all it was is he just, you know, he was going to guard the baseline uh, for an inbounds, yep. mm-hmm. and he stepped in the other direction, and uh, that was that for his career, more or less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that's you know, this this is this is of course like uh, this is very random, but. Like one of my reservations about Jalen Green was like, sure, the guy's super bouncy. I mean, he almost feels like an Achilles tear waiting to happen. <laughs> like mm-hmm. when you when you look at the way he bounds without barely even bending his knees, uh, it's like my my concerns about about Green and Mobley, like a lot of them stem from well, Mobley in particular stemmed from like fears of injuries. Good Jalen Green, I would have been glad to see the Pistons take at number two, but it For just sure. brought it just brought back memories for me of like, you know, Brent, Brandon Jennings was nowhere near at that athletic, but he was very quick and very agile. And, uh, and that injury, you know, that wasn't the case anymore. And that was the end of his career. Mm -hmm.
2: To be fair, you could, you could cite those injury concerns for a lot of above the rim players, especially players who are extremely explosive. But on the flip side, you get someone, you know, pretty durable and, and dare I say, a pretty good player in Russell Westbrook, right, is, is someone who, has that elite, elite freakish athleticism and still managed to have like a durable and successful oh. career. You know? I
0: agree, but uh, but guys like uh, Jalen Green is very thin,
2: right? No, and yeah. that is a concern. That is that a concern is, that for is a sure. Concern. I agree with you. And sort of to kind of extrapolate off that and related to Cade, Cade has a game that is going to age extremely yeah. well, mm-hmm. like extremely well. And obviously, knock on wood. There's no, there's no wood around me. Oh no, there is wood. Cam okay, knocking on it right now. I don't foresee, you know, anything outside of like a freak injury happening to Kate. He's certainly not someone who's jumping to the rafters every night and just exploding his knees. You know what I mean? And as he ages, I could see his game continuing to be effective. And so there's another sort of, you know, feather in his cap, I guess, in that I'm not sure that Jalen Green's game would like age as gracefully. And then Evan Mobley, I mean, it's not like he's gonna get less tall, but he's an explosive player as well. And so I just out of out of the big three. Cade, in my opinion, has by far the likeliest chance to be a, a successful player for the longest time.
0: Yeah. I would, uh, just to note the first round just concluded. So yeah, it won't actually be too, the second round is, is a great deal quicker. So, uh, yeah. it won't really be too long at this point. Hopefully until we'll see something big. happen here,
2: but, uh, yeah, I my I mean, doubts. Yeah. So
0: guys, guys in the fifties also, like it, it's worth thinking about saving Lee, like, uh, Frank Jackson and, and Hamadou Diallo got qualified by the Pistons. Saban we did not. I strongly doubt yeah. they're giving up on him after one season, especially with how highly Troy Weaver spoke about him, like included him in the core four. Maybe it was just because it would be awkward to not do so. But <laughs> like, mm-hmm. sorry, Sabin, it's the core three and you. Uh, but, uh, you know, the core three plus one, kind of. Plus one. Yeah. yeah, so... I don't know. I
2: felt like they genuinely valued him. No, really. they did. Yeah. So
0: I, I think... It, it's a little weird that there's no qualifying offer, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident about my understanding of two-way contracts. So my guess is that they're just going to upgrade him to a standard NBA contract, which you can do with two-way players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, so the Frank Jackson will either be with the Pistons on the full-time roster or will be signed by another team. I'm pretty confident in that. So you'll have those two-way contract slots open. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you take two guys in the fifties and one of them isn't a draft and stash them, you know, those are probably the guys, at least one of them going on to those contracts. So, yeah. And I wonder yeah. what's Servitas. Uh, servetus. Does
1: he, I mean, is he, I, I don't know. I haven't studied the, uh, the cap sheet. Is he guaranteed for another year or
0: does he uh, get
1: a chance to maybe be a two way guy?
0: No, no. He's already on a standard NBA contract. Okay. You can't, uh, you can't downgrade somebody to a, uh, to an, I, I guess, I, I think that uh, this was the only guaranteed year on his deal. I mean, I can, I can certainly look that up uh, fairly quickly, but uh, yeah, Servetus, I think will remain on the roster just because uh, you know, if they waive him, then Arntell and the son makes a lot less money. That's true. That's yeah, true. So, that is true. Well, I, um, I don't know how,
1: how deep you guys got, but uh, <laughs> it was we're, was, we're, as we pivot into the second round here, obviously a couple of local names out there, Former Pistons blogger is out there. Another, <laughs> yeah. another. Uh, 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 James Edwards mentioned that um, the new Pistons rumored assistant GM he, he has he was an agent for one of these foreign guys that might be uh, a draft and stash out of Belgium as well. You got not one but two Michigan Wolverines. Of course, Aaron Henry uh, from Michigan a lot State. Of Any anyone that you guys particularly like here? Uh, thinking that maybe the top five guys on the. The next available
0: are probably going to be gone by the time forty-two comes I, around.
2: Yeah, I really like Sharif Cooper, but I doubt
0: mm-hmm. we oh, see him I, forty-two. I think that Sharif. Well, here's what you have in Sharif Cooper. He's a guy who's got an, an excellent handle. He's good off the dribble passer, a bad shooter, and an absolute catastrophe on defense. Like not only because he's tiny, uh, but because he just has no defensive acumen to speak of whatsoever. Uh, I, I don't have high hopes for Sharif Cooper, but
1: in, interesting pick yeah. just now from the wizards to, uh, to start the second round is Isaiah Todd, the former Michigan commit <laughs> uh, five-star wow. player went to the, the G league instead yeah. uh, okay. up and down, but had some moments for the ignite there too. I think a game winning shot uh, in there as well. So that, I mean, those kind of picks uh, some, you know, some, some sexy upside on some of those guys. So, mm-hmm. and of yeah. course you get, you know, BJ Boston, who was a, uh, five-star guy coming into Kentucky, uh, you know, some other guys that college basketball fans know all over the place uh, too. So, yeah, a lot of guys out there. And Yeah. I was laughing just,
0: just real quick. I, I was laughing oh, because ahead, Isaiah Todd has been the butt of, uh, of a certain number of jokes because he refused to work out for any team that was not in the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I didn't, yeah. I didn't
1: work out for any teams that were in the lottery either. So no, neither did I. I can, That's true. Did I, that. I did uh, mention the Pistons bloggers. If, if you don't have any listeners who aren't familiar, but Jason Preston mm-hmm. out of Ohio uh, grew up in Florida and uh, his mom was, uh, was from Jamaica and for some reason must've been a going to work era fan, huge Pistons fan. So he stuck with that. And uh, after kind of a middling high school basketball career that when reading about it sounded a lot like my high school basketball career he sure. uh looked like he was gonna hang it up and go be a journalist and, and cover the nba uh like 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 the great uh, james edwards and rod beards and Amari sankofas of the world but uh had one good aau tournament after finishing high school ended up going into a fifth year prep school ended up having a great season there went to ohio and ripped up the mac for a few years and now Uh, from PistonPower.com to the Detroit Pistons. What a story
0: that would be. That would be a story. Do you know, know, actually, Duncan Robinson, there was a guy uh, he had sent a text message to saying, you know, he he played at Michigan, and he was asking the guy, you know, based probably under the the belief that he would never make it in the NBA, uh, about, I I believe it was about uh, advice on how to break into the sports journalism world. Mm -hmm. and uh, obviously things went a little bit different for Duncan Robinson, who's going to be getting eight figures a year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's arguably the best catching guy, catching and shoot guy in the world at the moment. Yeah.
1: I don't know what quite happened with Jared Butler, but he's still sitting on the board too. I know there was- Health concerns.
0: Yeah, health health concerns, but he's
2: he's another player I'm a big fan of as well. And I I sort of wanted to bring this up to you guys as we were talking about potentially trading up into the first round. So Memphis- um, Basically, they traded up to the number 30 pick with, with Utah, and they traded number 40 and two future seconds to move up 10 spots. So, I mean, that's not too steep of a price. If there was someone that Weaver really coveted at that spot, maybe he could have made it happen. I don't know.
0: Uh, I'm not sure. Um how many future seconds the Pistons really have to offer right now? Well, that,
2: that's true, but just yeah, in terms and, of in generality, I wouldn't say it's anything too extreme to have moved up ten spots to the yeah, very end of the first round.
0: Well, they they could have traded. Uh, I believe they have number they have Sacramento's first round pick in in one of the upcoming drafts, but yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, and. I, I suppose a the possibility they could have traded 37-42 uh, and, uh, and that future Sacramento pick. So, yeah, that is a little disappointing. That may have been a possibility and it didn't happen. But it
2: depends. Again, we're still yet to see what they're going to do in the second round here. So they may yet surprise us. I don't know. But it's just there's some really good names still out there. Like we said, Sharif Cooper, Jared Butler, uh, JT Thor sitting there, Io Desumu still sitting there. Um, Brandon Boston's another name that interests me. So, I mean, one of these guys that I kind of like is probably going to be there at 47 and then setting myself up to be upset when they're uh, 42 happen. or 42 rather. Yeah. Sorry. 37 no, traded. Oh yeah. yeah. ESPN's website is wrong. I'm looking at the, uh, the rounds here, but yeah, in the best available, a lot of names jumping out, a lot of names. That's all I'm saying.
1: Luca Garza still sitting right there. too. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know if Shandy he'll be drafted.
0: Brown. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not confident necessarily. Luca we'll Garza, we'll see. But you know, that, I'd say at best that guy's is going to be coming off and playing Boban minutes off the bench.
1: A nice college player, for... Romeo Weems. As, as I go further down the list, Romeo Weems from New Haven, Michigan, who came out of DePaul. He's on uh, deep on the list too. So maybe another name to watch. A local guy in the '50s that who knows could end up uh, on the yeah. one.
2: Isaiah Levers too, Michigan man. Yep,
0: absolutely, Kalamazoo. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and we're just getting to I believe pick number thirty-two right now. Yeah. So, so we're
2: getting there. And then, as far as the first round is concerned, is there anything in particular that now that it's done stood out to you guys as either particularly surprising or something that you felt was like a really good you know it kind of the draft spot met the fit met the talent really well.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm actually, I actually think actually just to mention it's uh, Troy Weaver apparently in his press conference. I'm just reading this on Twitter. Uh, He said that there were no really good trade offers or no good tempting trade offers on the table for Cade, Uh, you know, presumably at any point, though they did only uh, make the decision this morning that that definitively that they were going to draft him.
2: Yeah, that was reported. But do you guys believe that wholeheartedly? Because I have trouble thinking that Troy didn't know this going in. I really do.
0: Uh, I don't know. Here's the thing is that what kind of trade are you going to make? That's going to make sense for both teams. You have a team that's getting Kate Cunningham, the Pistons where they are. You're going to want to, if it's not the Rockets or the Cavaliers and they didn't have the assets to provide the Pistons with this. I mean, you're going to want like either an excellent player who fits Detroit's timetable somehow, which is going to be difficult to do or like from the Rockets or from the Cavaliers, you want, you know, the number two and number three and a very good young player, n- not a, you know, the, they couldn't offer that unless you think Colin Sexton or Darius Garland is going to get you there. And I don't. So it was just kind of weird. I guess he just was leaving the door open to some sort of completely ludicrous offer being made, which which makes that makes sense. Leaving the door open, but it was surprising a little bit to hear the reports that, you know, contrary to basically what seems like everybody else in the, you know, in the analysis and and just amongst executives by, you know, by all of what was said by insiders, that's, that they were thinking that they were really deciding between Cunningham and other green or Mobley. Yeah. I
1: do hesitate to play the like why some information leaks and who it gets leaked to game, but let's, let's, let's do it anyway. Uh, A little bit of game theory here, action. Like I I wonder if Weaver and the Pistons said to themselves, okay, well we like Cade and he's most certainly going to be the guy as of a couple weeks ago, But we don't want to leak that information because we want to keep Houston and or Cleveland on their toes and whoever else might be because, you know, if Houston's sitting there and they're putting out information that they actually like Jalen Green or maybe they like Cade Cunningham uh, one or two, that it behooves the Pistons to not have it be known who they like early. And then this morning, uh, kind of leaking it out there that they do like Cade and that that puts them in the position where, okay, we're going to take this guy. And uh, now if someone really likes Kate maybe you could sweeten those trade offers a little bit and whatever Godfather offer you might get becomes that ultimate one. That might even be something that sways you into considering it. So again, I hesitate to put mm-hmm. uh, what, what the mind frame of, of those kind of media games and leaks is all about. But you know, if I tried to be a little bit conspiratorial, that would be what I thought. And then for, post you know the pick being made if you're a weaver and you leaked that information earlier this morning why wouldn't you just say that that was the truth so that when you're dealing with teams and people are hearing leaks from detroit in the future you would think that was just genuinely true as opposed to some mind game you were playing
2: and that's just to my to, take not to cut you off but uh
1: our our Pistons bloggers gone off the board to Orlando at thirty three. Jason oh, Preston, his local team, the Orlando yeah. Magic, that he grew up with. So That's right. I mean, he grew up. Fi- he's uh, I think he's from Florida. So good well, for him to be staying in Florida. Yeah, well, well, Orlando. Uh, Orlando's, Orlando's trading A bummer. bummer. Well, the worst places to be than L.A. I guess. So, so whatever yeah, happened. Going. I'm just yeah. putting myself Fourth in the in it. the shoes of a Pistons blogger. Wherever whatever Pist- whatever NBA team drafts you, pretty good deal. Yeah, oh,
0: it's so the uh, the Thunder traded picks number thirty four and thirty six for thirty two, and who knows, maybe the Thunder just don't really care about about pick value in the second round. so I find it hard to believe, uh, but it, I, I thought I had thought prior to the draft that the likeliest scenario for the Pistons to draft up would be thirty seven and forty two for thirty two, and that offer would have been beaten. Seems so, like it. Seems yeah. like it.
2: Um, just to go back to what Matt said, because I jumped in with Jason Preston, I did want to respond. I, I completely agree. Not only is that something that I subscribe to, I, I I wouldn't even call it a conspiracy. I'd I'd say that's more than likely. Because if you think about it, what's the incentive of putting out there early on in the process? Who exactly you're going to take? Because if other teams know that we're zeroed in on Cade, what's the point in in you know giving your absolute best offer? You know the Pistons aren't going to take it, and so really by kind of shrouding this whole thing in mystery it, the pistons are only benefiting themselves they're kind of holding out for something that might blow them away and i'm sure they knew like look probably there's there's not going to be too too much to come of this it's all but guaranteed we're going to take Cade, but why not take a shot in the dark and, and see what you can entice other teams to do because look no further than the westbrook trade right when teams get desperate they do stupid things you know mm-hmm. i i it's it goes without saying that holding those cards tight to your chest and, and making sure that nobody knows your exact plan is an effective strategy in professional sports. So I think Weaver & Co. did a good job, and at the end of the day, we ended up with the player that we want, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, there's different ways to skin the trade market, and uh, they tried to do what they can. And ultimately, it probably wasn't going to matter. I mean, we can talk game theory all we want, but uh, no one was going to give you the – you, you had to have a cor- correctly a huge ransom to get that number one pick and it just wasn't going to come. So I think ultimately it all works out. And, uh, you yeah, know, just talking more about this first round, some of these names, I'm really interested about uh Cengun. I think he ends up on the Rockets after a couple of picks. Yeah. This, yeah, Turkish, that's this right. big yeah. Turkish guy uh, mm-hmm. who's supposed to be kind of the old school center interested to see how he looks down the road uh, analytics dream apparently. And uh, I just, I like, you know, Isaiah Jackson's obviously got the athleticism there as well. Uh, Garuba and Christopher to the, to the, to the Rockets too. So, um, and I'm sure some of these have been traded and I'm I'm getting them wrong. But uh, again, when you're talking about Jalen Johnson, a guy, and again, uh, you know, ended badly at Duke there, but I can remember the way he started last season, and such a weird year for scouting and COVID and everything that was going uh, on in these past you know, two years, really, that uh, when you can get a guy who was talked about as being a top 10 prospect at number 20 uh, with Atlanta and Jalen Johnson, I kind of like a pick like that, even though, you know, maybe the, the negatives and the downsides are going to prevail and they'll never be much of an NBA
0: player. But I think it's a worthy gamble to take at number 20. Uh, uh, fair enough. I was just thinking as far as this is a moot point now of course but some of you know the news came out and i don't actually believe it i think you know our best sources for this were bleacher report and chad ford neither of whom i consider particularly reputable uh i'm sure bleacher report has some has some guys who have sources but this was coming from just kind of it seems like a random dude whatever the case that the the thunder had offered uh shea gilgis alexander in the sixth overall pick i don't think it was ever offered because it I really don't think that would have made sense for the Thunder to for that. But, and also because it was, it was, it was never reported on by any reputable source, but you know, just for discussion sake, was that a trade that either of you would have accepted? Matt, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go
1: first. Um, I think it, it doesn't quite make a whole lot of sense for the Thunder. And I don't think it quite makes a whole lot of sense for the Pistons either. Um, when you talk about Cade versus Shea, um, I just think that the the um, ability to keep him in-house for four years and, and the contract that you're going to be working with uh, puts it over the edge for me that you'd rather have Cade. The timetable works out better. Of course, Shea's a better player right now, and you'd rather have him to win b- basketball games this upcoming season. But th- the drop from one to six is just so big this year. We talked about it earlier. Josh Giddey ends up going number six. Sure, you could take Kaminga or Wagner or Davion Mitchell, but, man, what a drop-down that would be from, from Cade Cunningham. Uh, I just, to me, in a normal year, one versus six, uh, and then a guy who's going to maybe go to an Eastern Conference All-Star game at some point in Gilgis-Alexander, uh, they, yeah, that would be a worthy trade you'd consider doing it. But the makeup of this draft, the timeline that you are on, and uh, just, just the the trajectory of the organization. I just don't think that would have made sense for the Pistons right now. One of those trades that maybe both teams say no to in reality.
2: Yeah. I, I tend to be in agreement with that. And, and I think that it's, it's very easy to to look at Shea Gilgis Alexander, who, by the way, I think the world of, I think he's a great player, but I think it's easy to, to look at him and say, well, how could you not take that trade? Look at how good he is. Look at how young he is already. And it's like, well, I don't think it's that crazy to think that Cade can be better than Shea. Like, yeah, maybe it's maybe it's wild to say now when he hasn't played a game, but like, is it okay to say in a year from now, two years from now, like? And it's exactly what what Matt said. Do you want a, a paid Shea Gilgis Alexander and the sixth pick, or do you want team controlled Cade Cunningham, and he's now going to lead your franchise into its next era? So I, yeah, I don't know for a fact that OKC offered it. If I was Troy Weaver, I honestly I would have declined it so I I think maybe yeah it is that rare situation where both teams say no
1: and I wonder like there was a little bit of talk about whether and, and again we're talking about hypotheticals on a hypothetical that we didn't even know was true to begin with but like if there was a way for OKC to use some of their picks to get to three and then make it Shea and three or something like that then you're talking about still walking away with Mobley or Green. Mm-hmm. And obviously. that's way different. So that that to me becomes the part where you say, okay, this is, comes like a 50-50 proposition of whether you take this deal or not. And at the end mm-hmm. of the day, I probably would take that deal.
2: But then again, why would OKC then? You know what I mean? Because OKC could have a Shea and a Jalen Green or an Evan yeah. Mobley.
1: Well, I, I think... I just think that OKC is playing this weird shell game right now with all those picks, right? That it's like that Sam Presti. I mean, if you just just stack picks day in and day out, all these NBA analysts talk about how much of a genius you are. And we saw how that worked out for Danny Ainge in Boston.
0: Not very well, right? right? That was was just a mess, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I mean, and not to say that it won't work out and that Oklahoma City doesn't have a bright future, because I do believe they do. But it's like getting a bunch of draft picks for Paul George is not exactly like this masterful plan. And at the end of the day, all it does is make like it just makes your job security a little bit better. I, I don't know. I, I have kind of a more of a negative viewpoint about those kind of moves because at the end, you know, and and really you're just serving up bad basketball to Oklahoma City fans for the next few years. And uh I don't know. That just doesn't really do as much yeah. for me. And, and again, you don't want to be what the Pistons did for all those years and just try to churn out decent teams with a very low ceiling. But there is some middle ground between what a team like Oklahoma City is doing and, you know, the Stan Van Gundy era Pistons.
0: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. So just to go back to the uh, to the Shea discussion, I agree with you guys. I think it's significantly more difficult. To, it would be significantly more difficult in general to build around. I mean, assuming Cade is what you hope for, uh, which is one of those... Uh, I don't like using this term because somebody else came up with it, but (laughs) one of these just big heliocentric creators, uh, who you can just absolutely run an offense around. And I don't think Shay's going to be that. I think he's on superstar trajectory, but he's a guy who's really going to need to play next to a primary creator, like a capable primary creator. And it's more difficult to build around him, but also you, you're going to have to pay him and there goes your cap flexibility. And and that could be a significant thing. And so yeah, I would have I would have said no to that deal uh, almost certainly, and I, I don't think I just don't think it would have made any sense for the Thunder to offer it either because who knows maybe you use those picks in the future to trade for a really good guy to put alongside him. And yeah, if you could draft Evan Mobley number three and put him next to Shea, then you've got one of the best, you know, you've got a, a super potent combo between the two of them. I don't think they would do that, but like it's been said, people were like I, I saw it, uh, you know this brought up by um, by draft analysts like oh why doesn't You know, by some of them, why why don't the Thunder just use their treasure trove of picks to make, you know, an offer you can't refuse and and just trade up? It's like because a lot of those picks, those are lottery tickets. You know, a lot of them from Denver, uh, the Clippers, uh, the Heat, uh, I don't remember who else. The Rockets. But it, well, yeah, the Rockets. The Rockets, that that is the one team where you might get uh, a high pick in, you know, in like the next four years, but that one's top four protected. So, you know, you can either. Take one of these players, like in the top three, because there was there was talk of like you know why don't the Clippers just trade? Excuse me, why don't the Thunder just trade up to the third spot so they can get Mobley? It's because you take Mobley over a bunch of lottery tickets any day of the mm-hmm. week. So, yeah, the the Clippers are an interesting. Excuse me, the Thunder are an interesting case. I agree. You know, you have to turn around and do something with those relatively soon. Otherwise, yeah, you end up like the Celtics just picking you know a bunch of, you know what turned out to be a lot ninth of ninth men.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, just guys who didn't really help them. Though in, in Danny Angel's defense, at, around the time when, or at the time, rather, when Paul George was being dangled, they offered four first-round picks for him, if I remember this correctly. And Kevin Pritchard, uh, who's the uh, head honcho over uh, with the Pacers, was just completely intent on, on trading him over to uh, the Western Conference and took, at the time, what looked like uh, an inferior package to what the Celtics could have offered. Ultimately, it turned out it turned into Sabanis and and, uh, and Victor Oladipo, so, yeah. so that worked out for them, of course. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, they I think they got to turn around and do something relatively soon, and so p- perhaps even in that capacity, keeping Shea around. I mean, and they're certainly not going to allow for cap flexibility. Well, yeah, you know, at least until Kemba's out of there, for sure. Yeah, so for I think sure. it, I think it's a trade that wouldn't have made sense for either team, and I I would be shocked to find out that it was actually offered.
2: I, I agree. And if I could just jump in here real quick. So um we've arrived at the, the 37th pick. So what the Pistons would have had in the absence of the Mason-Plumlee trade. And a lot of the names that we talked about are still there. Jared Butler still there. Uh, JT Thor, Io. Like these guys are, I, I don't know, it's sort of making me kind of wonder what exactly is going on. But it also gives me some optimism that 47 is going to have a lot of good names still left on the board as well. 42, 42 47. Yeah.
1: I keep messing these picks up. It's late. It's yeah, I want to just get back to the Shea thing one more time just to kind of maybe shine a light as as kind of a guy who's ne- – I've never really been a full-time NBA reporter. But with some of these things, I, I what I suspect, if I had to guess what happened with the behind-the-scenes Shea and number six report is that we can talk about Bleacher Report and Chad Ford.
0: Uh, just real quick,
1: JT Thor oh. is off the board at 37. Okay. That hurts. Thor has been hammered out of the uh, – Yeah, crowd. that so one hurts me a little bit. Is gone. So you got to believe Chad Ford and the Bleacher Report reporters, whoever they were, they do get these information from somebody, right? It's not made up out of nowhere. So maybe it's like sometimes the assistant GMs or maybe even player personnel type of player people, there are discussions had at a low level of the organization. And maybe there was a discussion of, Hey, if we were to offer you Shay and number six for number one, what is just hypothetically, what's that all about? So that's not an offer, right? You got to run that up the flagpole to Sam Presti and then Troy Weaver on the other side. Like that could have been a discussion. And then someone is that that third level of the front office is that source for that bleacher report reporter. So like the Pistons got that Intel and somewhere in the chain of phone tag here that turns into Oklahoma city offered that, and then denials from both sides from the top who win, you know, Weaver's probably the one, or maybe Ed Stefanski is the one who has the, 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 the hook in the line to Woj, the line to Shams, like the, you know, the the two or three or four real reporters that we know are the, the real ones that are, that have the intel. So that's just kind of a little bit of a process on what might've happened with that Shea intel.
0: Yeah, it's possible. Like I was encouraged people to be a little dubious of, of, uh, of rumors that come from people who are not, you know, reputable insiders on the local or the national level. Uh, but also like rumors that are very juicy, but nobody else is reporting them. It's like, mm-hmm. so you have this kind of relatively small time guy, uh, saying, well, you know, listen to me, look what's happening. It's like, uh eh, I'm guessing that of all the people in the world, and of all, you know, with all the sources that are possessed by people like, you know, uh, uh, Chams and Boge and even guys like Zach Lowe or Mark Stein, you know, you are not the only ones who have heard of this. It makes it very likely that you are not being truthful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, like in this in this day and age of Twitter at uh, people are going to remember you like uh, the average the average person who reads you is uh, you know reads your stuff on twitter is going to remember you from when you were right not all mm-hmm. the times when you came up with outlandish rumors that were wrong That's you know cool. I, I feel like yeah i feel like twitter really encourages people to, to go out there because if you're right it's like fantastic if you're wrong a lot of people are just going to forget about it
1: and, and of course y- y- the other thing that i thought i found was interesting as i as i know who someone is uh, you know, I kind of know the inside and, and also the fan perspective outside of it. The reason uh, people always kind of wonder, like, how does Schefter and Woj get all this information? The re- One of the reasons, other than, of course, uh, we want this information to get leaked out there because we're having some kind of a leverage play. The other reason is that Woj and Schefter have other information from other teams that they are giving – that they are not reporting, but they are giving. Like you, it's a, it's an exchange of information. So they have information that they give to other teams, so that Woj can report some rumor or trade discussion that might be going on. It's just kind of a give and take. There's an information system out there that those guys have intel from top parts of all the organizations around the league. You know, maybe OKC, OKC notwithstanding, but like some of some of the teams a little bit more tight-lipped than others, but. It's 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 an exchange of information that some of it's never going to be public, some of it's allowed to be public, and that's just kind of how that all works.
0: Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, like I said, I I would be shocked to find out that that offer was actually made. Sure. Uh, by by OKC. I mean that's uh, to have that kind of tidbit of information and have it not reported by those by these national big national insiders we're talking about. It just seems very unlikely to me.
1: Ao staying in Louis in Illinois with uh, the Chicago Bulls at thirty. indeed. Yeah, yeah,
0: JT JT Thor was selected with the Pistons pick, which to me yeah. hurts a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> so, he's a
2: good prospect, but it, yeah. there, there's some good names still. I, I would love Sharif Cooper. I know, Mike, you're not as high on him as I am, but I i thought he was a first round pick. So
0: Oh, I yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, JT Thor, I mean, well, I don't know if the Pistons, like you're not drafting for fit at this point if you're the Pistons. Yeah. But uh yeah, I mean, ideally, I mean, if you're, if you're taking, and I, I, I'm going to freely admit here that I didn't really research very far into the second round, so I'm kind of operating in the dark right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can find some sort of, uh, I don't remember, there was one of them, there was one guy uh, I know who was projected mid-second round, uh, just a, a very athletic guy who is just an excellent rim protector and can, can play above the rim, I think, if I'm remembering this correctly. That's the kind of guy I might look for for the Pistons, just a, just a rim-running uh, lob catcher. Uh, for the second unit because yeah they really don't have
1: that yeah they don't have that right now like you said and when you look at this and i did mention kind of a veteran center but that's a good point that like that really super athletic catching lobs uh second unit center could be something whether that's maybe a young guy that you pick up in free agency or maybe a this pick here at 42 that could be an interesting one although i'm looking at the best available there's really not a lot of centers
2: um, Greg Brown's a name to look out for. I remember seeing a tweet uh, that the Pistons were interested in him. I don't know oh. how reputable that was, but he's uh, Josh is
0: Jackson 2.0. You think so? Oh yes, this guy had 10 assists, I think, or maybe it was nine or eight. I can't remember right now. It was some some <laughs> absurdly low number of assists in his entire in this entire season. He just I thought you were gonna NCAA. say
2: per game, and then you said in the season no. in now, total. He went from really good this, to really bad.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was, this guy. Yeah, this guy does not pass. He takes all sorts of bad shots. He's got absolute tunnel vision. He's a questionable perimeter shooter. You know, he's got starter potential if he gets everything together because he's a fantastic athlete. Um, and, you know, he, and he's definitely got the chops to put the ball on the floor and attack the basket. But, man, is he low IQ. Well, how about how about yeah, so. this?
1: I got I got a thought exercise for us uh, as we are about eight picks away from the Pistons now. Or no, I'm got wrong it. again. Forty-two, yeah. right? So we're only just p- me. Only it's a late. few picks. These picks are confusing. Who, are, who? What's our prediction of who the Pistons will pick at forty-two on the record right now?
2: Mike, you go because you called the number
0: one pick too back in the draft. One <laughs> <way up>, so. <laughs> so good. Uh, Let's go two for uh, two. Uh, you know, it's uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm just not a hundred percent sure. I mean. I I'm feeling a little bit ashamed of myself right now because I really didn't research. I mean, I, I, I put my time in, uh, like I decided, you know what? I want to be wow. super knowledgeable about the first round. So yeah. like, uh, you know, just so I'll be able to go through this draft and the Pistons are picking, you know, number one. And so, you know, there's, it's not like last year when you, you're going over a fair number of prospects thinking, you know, who's, who are the Pistons going to pick at seven. So I just did my research on guys in the first round and, you know, not only, did that really not apply, apply me at all. It is not applicable I knowledge through the Pistons My taking taking a second, but I was completely wrong. I was like, I'm going to be this informed guy. I'm just going to, it's going to be a fun thought exercise. I'm going to predict what happened. And by like pick 10, I was like, you know, to, you know, screw this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have completely lost confidence in myself. Uh, but also, you know, second round picks. The reason I didn't do much research beyond that is that you never know who's going to be available in the second round. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, the best I could do is look at like somebody's list of best available and that that would be kind of disingenuous.
1: I'll throw out BJ Boston of Kentucky. Yeah. That is my prediction. You stole Just mine? I got That's what I was gonna th- say. Yeah. yeah, I'm seeing the wingspan. I'm thinking Kentucky. I'm thinking such good pedigree coming into college. Five star guy. Reminds me a little bit of Isaiah Stewart in that in that regard, and that like the pedigree um of a of a, a talented guy who maybe had a little bit of a disappointing freshman year a lot like stewart in some ways um i mean stewart was fine at washington but he maybe wasn't the the mcdonald's all-american you know flashy type of uh, big name that you might have expected so i guess as butler falls off the board by the way to the jazz at yeah. 42 picks away uh, yeah that hurts Dante, a little bit too yeah, yeah. that would have been,
0: been a good one.
2: Oh man i well i'd like to see sharif cooper i would but uh <laughs> I'm going to be a little Petrusev. upset
0: if it's Sharif Cooper. I don't think he's the Weaver type of player either.
2: No, I don't think so either. I, I, I like Petrusev though. Uh, he's someone sure. that um, we had planned to do an episode where we were going to go really in-depth into these second round picks. And due to the nature of you know just different things going on, we didn't get the chance to do that uh, episode. Yeah. But I look deeply into Petrusev, and, and I think he's got potential to really stretch the floor at the, the five position. I think he could be a nice utility backup five. So that'd be a pick that I could see Weaver making.
1: Yeah, I think he was a guy that throughout the process, at some point, was a lot higher on a lot of boards. Yes, I think um, so. Played at Gonzaga too, I believe. Right? Like he he's from Serbia, I know, but like he was with Gonzaga's program for a while. It played at Montverde as well. As, as I'm looking up some of this stuff, he was a guy. Yeah, who, I, think
2: I think you're correct.
1: Yeah um so kind of a a weird path to the nba uh as as it comes so a guy who's kind of been around a little bit um some more names you know daishon nicks is still out there from the g league ignite team as well aia from uh from gonzaga too nice little role player in college on a a great team so um yeah some names out there that you recognize of course we talked Mm -hmm. about a little bit about livers and aaron henry and, and brown out of michigan and and Luca Garza, who put up the huge numbers in, in college as well, so could be someone you recognize, but uh, you know, Why could be someone be. that we're also scrambling to get information yeah. about when
0: they get picked too.
2: Is uh, is there anyone you guys absolutely do not want to see be the pick, or does it
0: not really matter? Uh, let's see. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this, but I don't really want Sharif Cooper. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that. Yeah,
0: really uh, that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Goodness, uh, I don't know. I mean, we're getting very close to to number 42 here. Uh, It's 41s up on the board. Uh, Yeah, like like I've said, I just, uh, unless there's somebody just, I'm I'm absolutely and utterly forgetting. I don't think Greg Brown would be a terrible pick. Uh, I I, I don't like the shades of Josh Jackson at all. Uh, But, you know, who knows? I mean, the athletic upside, I mean, you could say the same thing about Josh Jackson. The athletic upside is there. You know, if you can just get a shot together and uh, and become less of a, a black hole and a ball stopper and have better shot selection. And my goodness, the more I talk about this, the less I like him. Yeah. So um, yeah.
2: yeah. What about Charles Bassey? How do you guys feel about him?
0: I don't know anything about him. uh, So So yeah, so the 40, the 41st pick just came off the board. That was Joe Wieskamp. I don't, so you've got, uh, yeah, still on the board. Um, Oh, the guy I was thinking of was Jericho Sims. Okay. He's still on the board. Uh, very athletic, uh, you know, pretty, uh, pretty good defensive player, uh, good lob threat. Uh, just not uh, offensively speaking, not, not really. Uh, it doesn't really provide much to you. A really bad free throw shooter as well.
1: I want to throw this out there before they pick that the uh, George David is the agent. And I know that this has been talked about a little bit in Pistons sphere, but George David is now the, what I think the assistant GM for the Pistons. And he was the agent for this guy from Belgium Vrenz. Yellenberg, so I expect that to be more of a pick in the '50s, but he's someone that's uh, been linked to the Pistons because of that connection. But
0: that could be. <laughs> Are there any too. Belgian players in the NBA right now? Don't know. Don't know. Uh, I, don't... I don't. Oh wait, uh, Natila Kina is. I suppose I think it was I'm just looked it up now. He was born in Belgium, it seems. Okay. Uh, DJ Mbenga. I'm not sure for whom he plays, but. Uh, yeah, Portland's I mean this. this is... So po- forty
1: two Portland has acquired forty three. Um, yeah. from I, from Orleans.
2: I'm fiving really hard right now.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm just, uh, I'm just hoping it's not Sharif Cooper. I just, I don't see We're, a world in which in which Sharif yeah. Cooper is really going to be a much use to the Pistons. Saw Rod Beard tweet Isaiah Levers, but he's yeah, saying it will be a yeah. good pick. Yeah. And he's, he also brings up a good
1: point about the Motor City Cruise that suddenly you yeah. have a G League team that you want to sell tickets to as opposed to sure. not caring about the Grand Rapids Drive. So, yeah, maybe the local type of player could be more in play there. Obviously, it's a bad reason that you don't want, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a reason nonetheless. I mean, All right, he...
0: Isaiah, the pick is Isaiah Livers.
1: Oh, there you go. Is it actually? Yeah. Yeah. James, James and, reporting. And it, was,
0: it was just, uh, yeah, exactly. That's awesome.
2: I like that. I do.
0: Um... So, if we're looking at Isaiah Livers, uh, not at all athletic, mm-hmm. <laughs> or not very athletic anyway, um, a guy who shot very well at uh, University of Michigan throughout, uh, you know, between his sophomore and his uh, and his senior seasons, he ended uh, he ended his career at uh, the University of Michigan shooting forty one percent from three. That's that's college, you know, college three point one, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, that's a good sign. Uh, not particularly able playmaker, uh, not. Particularly good at putting the ball on the floor, and he's a good free throw shooter when he gets there. And uh, yeah, honestly, you guys, are, particularly you, Matt, might be a lot more familiar with him than I am.
1: Yeah, I, I covered a lot of Michigan hoops, not in his uh, his last year, but the the years before that. And um, yeah, you know, kind of echoing a lot with what you say, uh, character wise, what you want, uh, you know, a standout football player in high school all that stuff. Uh, Kalamazoo guy, local guy, um, obviously had the injury and missed the uh, NCAA tournament there in in the big 10 tournament. But it's just interesting because, and I know that maybe we'll tie in Franz a little bit here, but like Franz talked about as a top 10 pick, but like you watch him play and you're like, man, I'm really not that excited about his NBA prospects. I know he defends well and he's uh, a guy that you hope can, can grow his, his offensive game as time goes on. But Livers to me on the other is like the other side of that coin where it's like, you know, the, the, uh, the athleticism is not quite there. The intangibles aren't, or the, uh, the tangibles aren't quite there, but the intangibles are there. It's that guy that you believe is going to hit that shot. He's that leader on the team, all that kind of stuff. And just, uh, um, I like Isaiah Livers. I always thought that he was a guy that's going to come through for you. Um, And again, that doesn't matter when you're trying to make the NBA and you're going up against some of the best athletes in the world. But uh, I think a worthy shot in the second round. And I I do think it's interesting that a guy who's probably going to spend some time on Wayne state's campus for the uh, motor city cruise and uh, maybe some local fans might come out to watch that. And that could be part of the thinking for the Pistons too.
2: Yeah I'll echo that Matt I think that was a pretty succinct kind of summary of his game but yeah he may not be the most skilled guy in the world but it always behooves a team to have like a tough gritty you know a big who can score right and Isaiah can you can certainly shoot Um, he can rebound he can play good defense his motor is good Um, but aside from that of the Michigan games that I caught yeah he never he never struck me as a an overly, you know, not an elite athlete, not an elite scorer, not really elite at anything, Mm -hmm. but kind of just a do-it-all leader, I guess. So, I mean, maybe it's the leadership qualities that attracted Weaver to him, but I guess time will tell if he has any kind of role on this team moving forward, but I expect him to be with the crews.
1: And, of course, let's not forget who his uh, college coach was early in his career and who the new – has an official role with the Pistons now as kind of a player development guy. But also, while we're here, hats off to James Edwards for – uh, scooping the pick, scooping his uh, coworker Shams, and being the first to report that. So yeah, you got it
2: quick, yeah. And then Greg Brown goes immediately after to the Blazers. So
0: yeah, uh, as much as I don't like Greg Brown, I think he's a more is uh, much more NBA upside player than than Isaiah yeah. Livers. I mean, this is just basically <laughs> me hurriedly researching what I can about Isaiah Livers. Seems like the guy's going to be a, a defensive liability at the NBA level.
1: Yeah.
0: Because it lacks the speed really to defend quicker guys, lacks the strength to defend stronger guys. Uh, you know, the shooting is nice, but, you know, are the Pistons really lacking in unathletic shooters? You know, like you right. already have Servitas, going to take up a roster spot on that. No. So it's like, I agree. yeah, it's like, um, you know, what, uh, yeah, I, I just don't like that. I don't like Greg Brown at all, but I, I would rather, I just think his NBA upside is. is respectable. And, uh, from, you know, from, from what I, the hurried research or basically what, yeah. uh, what also Matt, you've told me, I just, but do you see any NBA upside for him?
1: Well, I, you know, I just want to drive a little bit more of that narrative point home that I know the analytics, uh, folks don't want to hear about, but like, this was a Michigan team that was number one in the nation at times and really was riding high right up until Isaiah livers got hurt. And they really were an ordinary team after that. You know, snuck through into the tournament to get and then losing to a disappointing game in UCLA and then, uh, you know, getting bounced in the Big Ten tournament as well. So, you know, it shows that a winning type of player. But, yeah, I think we're kind of all in agreement that this is like a weirdly safe second round pick and someone who could help out the back end of your rotation if, if, if everything, if the stars align great that the, the absolute upside is him to be at the very back end of your NBA rotation down the line, which really isn't what you're trying to do in the second round for generally speaking. But, again, there's some 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 John Beeline considerations. There's some marketing of the Motor City Cruise considerations going on. There's some more second-round picks coming in the uh, the 50s. And maybe you get got a guy who uh, there's also contract considerations when you get into this point in the draft too, where maybe there's certain guys – who, you know, want to get NBA roster spots, and and you don't want to have to deal with that in terms of your 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 locker room slash your entire program of, of guys who are, you know, a Jared Butler for instance, who thinks he should be getting minutes on your NBA roster. So a lot of considerations here, and not a lot of roster spots as well. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's and it's good. It's you know, the fan base can feel good about it. It's a Michigan guy. It's a Kalamazoo guy. It's a University
0: of Michigan guy too. So.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, there's at the end of that. the day, no, no bad things,
0: uh, mm-hmm. can come out of from probably two way player. Yeah, yeah. If I had to guess a two way player, I mean, right. uh, I'm looking, I'm looking at the roster right now, uh, in terms of guaranteed contracts, uh, for next year, I mean, assuming you're getting rid of Corey Joseph, Corey Joseph's got, uh, about I think 2.5 million guaranteed next season. So if the Pistons waive him, that's dead cap. It's not mm-hmm. really very important. So, uh, aside from him, uh, Eleven guys plus, uh, you know, if you are going to keep, uh, well, excuse me, 10, uh, 10 guys. Uh, if you are counting Tyler Cook, who's a non guaranteed contract, so you are looking at actually less than that. Excuse me, you are looking at Grant Hayes, uh, Josh Jackson, Sekou Boya Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bay, uh, Julia Okafor, and uh, and Dave, you know, Dave Bitteseridis, mm-hmm. uh, plus Kate Cunningham and. Yeah, so those are the guys who are going to be on guaranteed contracts. Yeah, plus Kate Cunningham. I mean, whatever, afterthought, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you think so much about the guy, and then you forgot to include him in the roster until the end. So roster space isn't really going to be at a premium at this point, but I would still say that Livers is, I think you'll see seemingly upgraded to a standard NBA contract, uh, you know, of several years' length. And you'll probably see Livers on... Uh, this is just an arbitrary guess. I think you'll see livers and one of the next two picks, assuming that they're not packaged to move up like one spot uh, on a two-way contract and maybe a draft and stash with the other.
1: Yeah. I don't know if you mentioned Jack, Frank Jackson and Diallo yeah. too. As, oh. as possibilities. There. right, right,
0: right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. This, this is what happens when I try to read a, 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 a cap sheet on the fly. Uh, yeah. I'll, you guys continue and I'll, uh, I'll come back to you with exactly how many, conceivably guaranteed contracts we have for next year.
2: Doing the Lord's work, Mike. <laughs>
0: Thank you. <laughs> On the fly. It,
1: and so as, know, as we as we, we sit here, we got, uh, what, 52 and 57, I believe? I think it's
2: just 57. Okay. Oh, no, no we got 52 also. 52, yeah, 52 is the Lakers pick. Yeah, it's yeah. 52. From and then,
1: the uh, mcsviva deal, I believe? And then
0: 57 from Charlotte. Oh, fifty two 52 yeah, was... is actually the Corey Joseph-Dalon Wright trade. Ah, okay. Ah.
1: Who knows?
2: Hey, Sharif Cooper on the board. <laughs> just figured I'd put that out there. But, I mean, you know, it's an in- interesting discussion with Isaiah Livers when you consider – I was just scrolling um, Twitter kind of trying to look at these quick reactions here. And somebody made a good note in that it's some of these, um, quote-unquote, low upside, right, these guys who have translatable skills that are not projected to have um, anything that can make them grow into, like, a star player, for example – uh, so Isaiah Livers has his shooting, but he's not projected to be anything more than that. I mean, that's a translatable skill that, like you said, Matt, could serve you well at the back end of a rotation. And even though it's not exciting or sexy, it serves a purpose, you know, and the intangibles, even though they can't be quantified, they can be qualified. So I, I'm excited for the pick. I don't know. and. Maybe one day he'll get a shot uh, with the Pistons. He's not just a permanent cruise fixture, and I'm rooting for him for sure. He seems like a good kid, and he was definitely the heart and soul of that Michigan team for sure.
0: And I think okay, that so we're looking you... at just just real quick to break in. We're looking if you keep Saban Lee uh, on a standard NBA contract, and you bring back Frank Jackson, you bring back Hamadou Diallo. That's actually twelve roster spots taken out of fifteen maximum. Uh, of course, you've cleared both of your two way uh, two way salary spots uh, or two way contract spots at that stage. Um, I think yeah.
1: I, just about livers. I think that you, when you have that one MBA skill, like you said, I think that that's an important thing. And and also, there there is value in having a good. You know, you, you want spacing when you have the Motor City Cruise playing because you're going to have real players developing on the cruise, right? You got to believe that Servetus is going to get some minutes down there. Saban Lee, maybe even Seku, a little bit more minutes uh, with the cruise, especially with them being right there in Midtown at the new Wayne state arena too. So um, there's value with the, even though it's not, you know, a Greg Brown type that has this uh, some of these NBA skills uh, and, and body and frame and athleticism that you might, uh, you know, take a lottery ticket type of buy on it. There is culture value with your G league team uh, to have, you know, 30 guys in your program. They're going to give a crap is important. And I think that that, um, you know, those types of things. And, and you know we're not all excited about livers being an nba starter someday but um i think that uh when you have that skill and you have that type of culture i think it's that's obviously a good thing
0: yeah uh i mean here's the thing about second round picks like based on i was looking at the data recently There's a study done i remember by whatever university i mean it's not like you need a university to do this study but it was their data that's Second-round picks altogether, and sure, this, of course, includes like 50 to 60, where you're almost guaranteed to not get a good player, to not even get a rotation player. Uh, about 25% of second-round picks make a career in the NBA, uh, 50% bust within four years, and the other 25% never play a single game. So, I mean, second-round picks aren't worthless by any means. Uh, teams like them for, you know, just the lottery, you know, just, you know, maybe you'll find a good player, you have more cap flexibility, because you don't need to guarantee anything, uh, I believe, beyond the first year. And, they're you know, they're they're useful trade fodder. But, you know, no matter where you are in the second round, you know, you get closer to the first round, that's good. But even you're thinking pick number 31, 32, like at the end of the first round, you're, f- you know, it's a big win if you get a good rotation player. Mm-hmm. So no matter what we talk about, about second round picks, yeah, the, the reality is that um, they can be shot, you know, they're, they're statistically speaking shots in the dark. And if Isaiah Livers goes on to be a decent rotation player, cool. Uh, if not, then, you know, that's just how things go, uh, assuming that you didn't leave a better player on the board.
1: I've always kind of heard that picks in the 30s could be something. Picks in the 40s are probably nothing, and picks in the 50s are absolutely nothing.
0: Yeah. All right, so we're actually back from a break here. We, we took some time off to, uh, to allow for the picks to be made for the Pistons. So, uh, first one is Luca Garza. This basically boils down to like pretty, pretty good offensive player, a uh, horrific defensive liability in the NBA. Like he could barely defend in space against smaller players in the NCAA, vastly less athletic NCAA. Uh, this is a guy I would predict maybe you give like bobon minutes to in niche situations, but in order to do that, you have to list him like he, he has to be one of the guys on your on your roster to just you know in a game you have to give. Like I know they, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, you, you know, 12 men, whatever you guys yeah, have any thoughts.
2: The, uh, well, that's the mantra of the second round is yeah, whatever it's uh 1240. And I can't say that the Pistons did anything that particularly excited any of us. And like, we were just talking before we hit record again, um, the results of the Mason Plumlee trade, at least tonight are non-existent. So, I mean, it, it's tough to walk away disappointed from a draft where you landed Cade Cunningham, but I don't know. I was expecting a little more movement, a little more uh, excitement, and at the bare minimum, some athleticism uh, coming out of this second round. But it it appears to me that we've we've drafted some um, players with, I guess, translatable skills, immediately translatable skills, but not a whole lot of perceived upside. So I don't know, Matt, if you have a different perspective, but that's sort of where I'm at.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I'm kind of on the same wavelength as you guys, you know, we'll we'll throw out there that Luca Garza is one of the more accomplished college basketball players of the past 10 years or so. I mean, we're talking about All-American for two years. his monster offensive numbers. And I know that a lot of this stuff doesn't translate. This is like as old school of an offensive center as you can believe. But at the same time, great touch around the basket. I mean, he's kind of like Jaleel Okafor 2.0 in some ways, and that he's very limited defensively very limited athletically, but like kind of a, a savant of offensive ability underneath the basket. Again, not important in today's NBA, but we're seeing a trend, right? Maybe Troy Weaver likes this kind of thing. I do remember watching some Iowa games this year and just being so impressed with him offensively to the point where he said, hey, some team's going to take him in the second round and I don't hate it. So again, I don't hate the Luka Garza pick, but there's no reason to love it either.
0: Yeah, it's it. I just really would have would have preferred to take a shot at somebody who is considerably more athletic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't see why. I mean, one of the needs of the Pistons have, uh, I think reasonably speaking is a, uh, just a rim running center. I mean, uh, realistically, whatever. These are the 50s, are picks in the fifties. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're fantastically lucky if you get a rotation player here, but uh, I just would have liked, you know, upside picks uh, with, with just greater athleticism. Yeah. And then we get
1: uh, the big pick of the night at fifty seven, huh?
2: Yeah. Uh, let me let me let me try and read this here. Balsa Kop Koprivica, um, so he is a Florida State Seminole. Uh born May 1st, 2000, that's about the extent of my biographical knowledge on him, other than the fact that he went to Montverde, uh, I think with Cade, he might have been there at the same time.
1: I'm looking Um, at that, and I think that uh, Balsa was there maybe a year or two before Cade, because I think Cade uh, was there his junior and senior year, and it looks like Balsa's 21 right now, so they may have missed each other, but still, you know, coming up in that program, Kevin Boyle, one of the best high school basketball coaches of all time, a team that's, mm -hmm. you know, in in the top 10 of the top five uh, over the last several years, Ben Simmons, Kate Cunningham, D'Angelo Russell, just uh, kind of a who's who in a lot of ways of of high school basketball. So good to be around that program, I guess.
2: For sure. Um, And I mean, not an above the rim player. Uh, Mike was noting that. I mean, Mike, do you have any thoughts about the, um, well, I guess you could talk about Balsa specifically, but it's sort of the lack of athleticism in the second round as a whole. It seems to be a theme.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know anything about this guy. Uh, about the guy I picked at fifty-seven, like Garza is is um, was a notable name out of the NCAA mm-hmm. for good reason. Uh, for for his offense, and uh, wasn't he national player of the year? I think he was a two-time, a well, two-time first-team All-American.
1: Uh, I think he was yeah. a national player of the year one year. Perhaps. Yeah, so once. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, you know, so you know about him. This other guy, I have no idea who he is. And it's like this, kid, but I mean. At that stage, it's like okay, maybe you can get this guy like outside of the draft altogether as an as an undrafted free agent. But in that case, you're you're competing against other teams. So I guess uh, I guess the front office really wanted him, but I know nothing about him at all. And it's it's been difficult to find any material about him at all.
2: <laughs> well, just assume that he paved the way for Cade in high school, and and that's about the extent yeah. of it. Maybe he hosted Possibly. him
0: for his recruiting
1: visit at, at Montverde Maybe. or something like that, and, and that Honestly, well.
2: based on Google images, that is not who I would send out to incoming freshmen.
1: But I, so you know, he played at Montverde, and then I guess he played two years at Florida State, and uh, including you know these last couple years. So um, looks like he got. 10 and, 10 and 6, 10 and 5.5 and uh, this past year. Started a lot of their games, 20 minutes a game. Um, Serbian, I mean, if you're going to pick a, a European country that you want your draft and stash type of player to be from, uh, Serbia is a good place to be. Non existent mm-hmm. shooting, you know, didn't throw up a three pointer in his entire college career. Uh, yeah, so, you know, what you might expect in the, uh, in the, uh, the, the second round, number 57. Florida State, we know, has put out some some pros these last couple of years. The two yeah. consecutive number four picks in the draft. So good program to be in at Leonard Hamilton in terms of your development. And then in Mount Verde, too. So pedigree um, from Serbia. Development, uh, looks like, from Wikipedia. And who knows? Sounds like the the parents were basketball players as well. So, you know, uh, some of those things that you, you like to get excited about if you want to be positive. And there's some... Some reasons to believe this guy might even uh, do something
0: down the road in in years and years. Fingers crossed. Yeah, Yeah, I feel I feel obligated to reiterate that. I mean, you know, we can obviously we're we're discussing these picks, but these guys are second round picks. The Pistons picked three times uh, past pick forty. Like, if one of these guys turns into a rotation player, the Pistons will have been statistically quite fortunate. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, being being picked this late in the draft. So, you know, these are guys who the Pistons will have under team control. Uh, they're, they're not going to, you know, I think it's unlikely we'll see any of them on the, on the opening night roster, like for, for obvious reasons. And, uh, you know, as much as I would have liked to, I'm not going to say that picks in this range don't matter because all picks matter, but, uh it's as much as I would have liked higher upside players, uh, in terms of athleticism, like, like I said, I kind of like Jericho Sims, for example, uh, yeah, just, we'll see you know i misspoke on balsa
1: he threw up one three-pointer uh this past year and and knocked it down one for one. wow 100% so hundred percent from three One hundred my goodness percent from three doesn't get any better than that
0: sounds made yeah. up Another yeah i mean favorite. yeah for sure um all right so uh anything to add before we uh call it a night and you guys get to go to sleep yeah, Wo- Woj I, uh, is
1: reporting uh, Aaron Henry two way deal with the Sixers.
0: So congratulations to Aaron Henry and the Michigan yeah. State listeners. Congrats, good yeah. Congrats. yeah, good, uh, good, good for good for the Sixers and good for uh, good for Aaron Henry.
2: Mm-hmm. My final words are not mine. They're actually Tommy's. Tommy messaged me a while ago, and he wanted me to let the listeners know that he approved of the Cade Cunningham pick. So mm. that's good.
0: Bold. That's Tommy's Excellent.
2: contributions for tonight.
0: Fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's a good night for uh, Pistons fans. Yeah. It's it's a lot more boring than last year's draft. It's a lot more boring than last year's free agency first night. But obviously, when you have the first pick of the draft and that's boring, that's a good thing. So everything's great um, on this day for and, and maybe it's a boring offseason for Troy Weaver. And that wouldn't be so bad either. Uh, no. teams, teams in a good direction. And Cade, Hunt, Cade Cunningham is a member of the Detroit Pistons. That sounds
0: weird, but it sounds good, too.
2: But it's the truth, and it won't be boring during the season. No, I'll tell you that.
0: True, and we got no. summer league coming up on the eighth of August. Eighth, August. yeah, yeah. So not far in the future. No, and Kate uh, runs on yeah. playing in
2: it, right? So there. You
0: uh, I, I would imagine that'd be shocked if he didn't. Uh, and mm-hmm. also, we've got uh, we've got free agency coming up on uh, the second. So we'll we'll be we'll be releasing an episode shortly thereafter, just to to recap that and to uh, to preview summer league a bit, as we'll have a better idea of the roster at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Uh, Yeah, Matt, uh, thanks again for coming on the show. Always a pleasure to have you. Absolutely. Guys, I appreciate it.
1: And uh, we'll do it again soon.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope so. All right, everyone, as always, thank you for listening. And we'll catch you in the next episode.